0: To Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybel Education. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Howard Tybel. Hello, Howard. Hello, Pete Wright. How are you today? I'm doing very, very well. We have a, a very special guest with us on the show today, and I'm excited to have him on the show because he's been behind the scenes for so long now. It's about time we pull back the curtain. Lampros Patsis has served as a one-on-one and team executive coach. For over 25 years. He's been a student of personal and organizational transformation since he was in his 20s. And he's here with us today because the two of you have been uh, working on uh, this group coaching uh, program. I don't think we've really done a good service uh, to the group coaching program as long as you've been doing it, talking about what it is and how it works to help set the stage for preparedness for change that is coming continuously. We are faced with this onslaught of change in higher education and elsewhere. And we want to look at what what it is that you guys are doing together to help Equip us with the skills yeah, uh, to, to face the change ahead of us.
1: Lamp and I just finished up working on a group coaching with a particular team. We thought it would be great if we could have a dialogue about why this work is so
2: important. When I was at MIT, the most interesting guy there was a guy named Jay, For- professor to me, was a guy named Jay Forrester who's a father, one of the fathers of systems thinking, he called it system dynamics back then. But he was a very interesting guy. He applied engineering principles to complex systems to show how they behave in non-intuitive ways. And you need to be sensitive to that. And that is absolutely true and insightful and important. But I began to see even that is limited, that without personal transformation, Nothing's really going to happen. In fact, the the father of the total quality movement, W. Edwards Deming, the most famous guy in that field, had a saying that nothing happens without personal transformation. That became very, very real to me.
1: There's a certain emotional resiliency that we need to bring to ourselves and to our work and to others so that we can navigate uh, this future that's increasingly uncertain. So I'm curious for you, Lamp, this this idea of creating real changes in oneself. How has that showed up for you? Because I think the part of this is starting off with how we're showing up and how we can see that we're actually making these transitions.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think as is true for a lot of people in uh, counseling fields and that kind of thing, it's their own their own transformation is sort of the is the underlying through line. For me, I mean, I, I, I suffer from I'd say not clinical, but mild depression for most of my, most of my life into my 40s. And, and I made a significant, significant, and, and so far anyway, permanent shift in that. And for me, that's much more significant. Subsequently to that, 10 years ago, but subsequent to my sort of shifting out of a base of depression, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And uh, the reality is for me that that's sort of background, I characterize that as background noise. It's really very easy to manage. Uh, Is not and, and other other people think well that's that's interesting and strange that that's not a big deal for you, but I think uh, with the basic life coping skills, it, it needn't be uh, a death sentence and and a big tr- a dramatic issue.
1: Yeah, I don't know about you, people. When I hear that. Um... I'm so deeply inspired by
0: that. I've got to ask I, to, to both of you, but, but in particular, uh, Lamp, thank you, first of all, for sharing. It is an act of great vulnerability to, uh, I think, you know, face, you know, what you are living with and uh, and and make it that sort of background noise to be able to make a conscious decision that this is not a thing that's going to uh, define who I am. It's not going to impact my identity. But vulnerability to me, it, it seems like that's a word I'm hearing more and more in place that I've never expected to hear it, right? This act of, of uh, you know, vulnerability, it, it, it takes vulnerability to, to really face the hard things that we have to face. And I, I wonder if that impacts, in your experience, the, the industry's readiness for change. You know, we're all confronted with the need to change, but, but it, we tend to face it as a group or a team or an institution. You know, how are we, the school, going to change uh, a, as a result of moving forward? In your experience, are individuals, are you you seeing individuals show up in in a new way uh, that they are more ready to be vulnerable in in this way in their own way to show up and, and make change with respect
2: to the Parkinsons. It it's, you you said Pete that must have taken some vulnerability to say that I've gotten to the point where telling the truth is the easiest path. There's no vulnerability it's it's it may seem like it must be vulnerable require vulnerability on my part, but I don't experience that. Because and this applies both to the workplace and to personal life. The truth will set you free. If you if you can just state candid, speak the truth all the time, always you know sensitive to taking care of people's concerns, etc. But if you can be honest with yourself first and foremost, it's the most effective way to be both happier and and more serene and more effective in life, and when you when that when you have enough examples under your belt that that 's the case that just being deeply honest is going to be the most productive way forward boy it's it makes life easier and uh more enjoyable
1: in my work with lamprose what we 're discovering is that there's a deep need and a desire for people to want to be authentic. You know we just went through this program with this small group, and one of the major reflections that they said about each other was. I now have a relationship with you that I didn't before. particular emphasis
2: needs to be put on this social piece of it. Uh, one, on, I mean, the, the model, I think, used to be one-on-one coaching for particular people in organizations. Uh, and I, I've seen from our recent work together in these group coaching programs. That uh, it's more sustainable. A, it's more fun. And B, it's more sustainable because they can they can be continuing on their own without us as the prompts and the coaches to support each other. And, and at the end, the bottom line is you, you want to create spaces for people to be more candid, more honest with themselves and with each other about what's working on projects, what's not working. Are we going to hit the budget or not? Am I in trouble with my job? How am I coming off in a group session? All of that stuff. If we can have more... Relationships where there's enough trust that people can be honest with each other and they won't feel threatened by that. They'll realize that it's really in the spirit of constructive of uh, criticism. Then uh, you have you have a formula for uh, you know a learning organization and continuing uh continuing to go forward.
1: One of the things that that showed up also in this work and also in previous work together, and it's profound but so simple. In this idea that. These people working together and learning how to be in conversation with each other, they're learning that they can say almost anything to each other if what they're doing is bringing care to the relationship. That is, seems so simple, but ultimately that's often missing. I mean, I can't tell the number of times people are not having the conversations with the people they should be talking to, but they're going to appear or somebody else to say, here's my concern or complaint about that person, as opposed to going to that person and say, listen, I want to share something with you. And it's because I care about you that I want you to know this. What I say is when people begin to practice that and see that they can actually provide those uh, assessments and feedback and the other person can see it as a contribution, that is the beginning of a certain kind of freedom you were talking about that often people don't feel like they have the capacity to do. So this, and and I'll tell you, we tie it back to education. We have to accelerate this capacity. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to, make choices in a, in a higher-velocity way about trying to make those innovations they're talking about, trying to offer something other than a piece of paper that says, here's the degree. And also, how do we have conversations, if we're on the administrative side of the house, with our faculty colleagues who are so critical to the conversations. Many of our listeners come from administrative functions, supporting the faculty side of the house. And I have been focused on how do we get genuine conversations happening on those sides. But it starts with a, a, a certain kind of confidence courage to be able to be in these conversations, but it happens through practice.
0: There was a an, an article years ago in The New York Times that I thought was fascinating. And uh, it was all about the 36 questions that will lead you to fall in love with somebody. Right. There's a psychologist that that came out with this thing saying, you know, you really can fall in love with anybody. Psychologist Arthur Aaron. And here are 36 questions. If you sit down with somebody across the table in a table and alone and you ask each other these questions and do these exercises, you're going to fall in love with them. Now, I'm not uh, implying at all that, you know, part of what we need to do is fall in love with one another as we're going through our change projects. But one of the themes that I think is really interesting over some of the conversations we had last year with our guests, Howard, is that. That going through a a big change process and finding a way to express ourselves individually with an increased sense of authenticity, uh, I'll I'll say vulnerability again, uh, being able to present in a way that is honest uh, about our fears and our anxieties, leads to closer personal relationships, which greases the skids for everything. And it's one of the things I think is most interesting about this group coaching program and one of the things that Lamp just said that in fact going through this as a team it makes a, a substantial difference over, you know, going through this alone like, as an island. Because when we care about our peers in the boat with us, we care about the performance of the boat. It's the old teach a person to fish story. What's the, what's the what's the teaching
2: someone to fish that we that we're do- offering? It's to be honest in making honest assessments of people and situations and to be open to receive and listen to honest, constructive assessments of people and situations. And, those are the, and, and what are the barriers to that? Well, people feel defensive receiving them often at the beginning, and they feel afraid that they'll, not be, they'll be disliked if they make an honest assessment that's negative of somebody else. So if you can get people over that initial hump— and then they begin to see, they begin to see the value to themselves and to others of being candid with each other, deeply candid about important matters at work. Then you, you've got a dynamic that can
1: uh, be self, become self sustaining. I wanted to say right now, I'm feeling the love right now, <laughs> right now. That's what's just happening to me. You know, I, I I I have to tell you how fortunate I feel to have Lampros in my life, um, and uh, and I know he feels that way about me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ha! <laughs> As long as we're being honest. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, the group coaching program uh, in some more practical terms. When you are working with teams in this group coaching program, what is it that you're actually doing with them? One piece of
1: it, and then I'm going to let Lampro sort of add to this, is the nature of raising your level of sensitivity and awareness to the culture that you're living in. In this case, the education culture that goes back more than just to Harvard University from 300 years ago. But being aware of that and how you can then navigate that, most people are not aware of the nature of how shared governance produces, can produce powerful results, but it can also be really inhibitors. So we spend time in that domain. The second domain is around learning tactical skills, like skills in communication, skills in coordinating actions, uh, skills and, and practicing them with others, with us as coaches, allows them to take these skills back into the workplace. And then finally, To actually discover that in this period of time, you are actually building some new behaviors and habits that you can take in the world and developing the confidence to realize, oh my God, I can actually, if I put time and practice into this, I can actually cultivate new behaviors that are permanent ways of being that allow me to open up possibilities in the work that I'm doing with others.
2: Nuance-wise, on the last piece, it's so that you you have these sort of shared practices of, for, for example, giving Honest feedback, and ultimately, what you're out to do is is uh, en- engender a culture shift—one of uh, of a more open culture, uh, a more uh, action focused culture,
1: rather than uh, bureaucratic or uh, or defensive or weak. And we're learning too. I mean, even though Lamp and I find ourselves in the position where people look to us like that we are the ones that sort of have the framework, we, are, we need to keep ourselves uh, at the edge of saying, how are we growing in this? Because in my work, in my team's work, it's really about how are we helping institutions develop that capacity to start making – or, or continue to make bold decisions to make education even more relevant
0: to future generations. I feel like I have felt that change in you, in the way you yeah. work over the years we've been working together. I can see that sort of uh, expression of your own kind of efforts to be more authentic and more vulnerable yourself in your work as you learn, and I that is absolutely on display and in the the back end of the work in the group coaching program, and I'm, I am I have to say, I mean, it's just, it is it is work to be enormously proud of and, and excited to be able to talk more about it.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I'm thrilled to be in this partnership because um, as you can imagine, you know, Working with Lampros, you know, I'm growing just working with Lampros and, and I'd hope for him it's the same thing, that we're learning from each other uh, how to be even more effective in the world uh, to make the kind of impact that we believe is important in different industries. Whether it's this industry or education or it's financial services or, or healthcare or construction, whatever it is. I mean, there's a there's
2: a cliche in coaching, right, that any good coaching, whether it starts off being called career coaching or management coaching or any good coaching is by the second session life coaching. It's very personal. It's very real. And I think the happy coincidence is that with with a good coaching program, you end up feeling happier and more human and more authentic and you're more effective both. Now, obviously. It's not going to justify the budget. We're, we're not uh, administrations and leaders of universities that are not out to pay for people to be happier in and of itself. They want the organization mm-hmm. to be more effective. But there's a coincidence there. The openness and the honesty and the self knowledge that go with being happier
0: contribute to being more authentic and more effective in the workplace. And, and we invite you all, if this conversation has provoked your uh, interest in learning more about the group coaching program, head over to Tibelinc.com and uh, you can find out a, a lot more about the group coaching program, the modules involved, the, the, how we actually go uh, about uh, connecting you all uh, online, in person. It's a fantastic program, uh, and and you'll find out more information about the group coaching program. Thank you so much, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. Uh, You can subscribe to the show uh, at the website or for free uh, right there. You just click the blue button and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. Uh, If you like what you heard here today, please share with a friend or colleague you think might appreciate a new podcast in their own library. On behalf of Howard Teibel and finally Lampros Fatsis on the show, uh, I'm Pete Wright. And we'll catch you next time right here on Navigating Change, the podcast from Teibel Education.